Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Um, as it's Father's Day, um, I want to honour my dad. He's, he's not here, um, but uh, mum, will, mum will attest to this. Um, he's doing my service tonight. He's doing your service. He's doing mum's service. Um, Any time prayer has been mentioned in our household um, over the last two years, um, dad has quite cheekily um, said to us, and he would hate me that I'm doing this, he would say, Adam, you've got a question about prayer. Well, has anybody released a book on prayer in the last, in the last two years? <laughs> um, so in order to honour him on Father's Day, um, as, as if you don't know, our series at the moment is Oxygen. It's all about prayer. If you want a great book... Um, to help, help go along with this series, um, When I Pray, What Does God Do? by David Wilkinson Great. is a fabulous book. I know I'm, I know I'm biased in that, um, but a lot, of, a lot of what I'm going to say tonight has been ripped straight out of this book. I'll happily say that. Um, and also, for the eagle-eyed, eagle-eyed of you, on page 14, the Junction Church Aberdeen has mentioned. Ooh. So, so our, series, our series is prayer, uh, which, which, it's entitled Oxygen, it's all about how prayer is uh, the breath, uh, the most, one of the most important things yeah. of our life. Yeah. Um, I once heard a preacher get on stage um, and he said, prayer is the hardest thing of the Christian walk. Really? Surely, surely not. Surely there's, there's, there's harder things, right? Like, like telling our, telling our friends about our faith, or inviting our neighbour to church. Surely that's harder than prayer. Surely, surely getting your head around some deep theological issue, as Aaron will attest to, is harder than prayer. <laughs> surely uh, learning the, the newest praise song on the drums for Junction <laughs> in the next Sunday is harder than prayer. <laughs> Is it, is, it, is it quite the hardest thing? I, I'm not sure if it is the hardest thing, but I think it is one of the hardest things in the Christian walk. And I think too often as Christians, we, we make it a little bit of a taboo to, to say I'm struggling with this. We make it a little bit, you, you're not allowed to say that, that oh, I'm really struggling with my prayer life at the moment. You're not, you're not allowed to say, I'm really disappointed with, 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 with prayer. I, I, I really feel like God's not, God's not talking to me. Um, God talks to us in lots and lots of different ways. Um, he speaks to us in voices, in visions, in dreams. I could go on and on. Um, but as, as, as someone who God doesn't talk to in voices, prayer can become a very lonely thing. Mm-hmm. Prayer can become an extremely hard thing. Uh, and sometimes it backs us into a corner. And it, and it leads us to those disappointments. It leads us to a place where we feel like, what's the point of praying? It leads us to a place where we go, I believe in you, God, but you're not talking to me. But, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that, that God is not talking to us. I think, I think this is a thing of, God's given us the answer before. 
I think we need to be honest as a church that wait is, a, is an answer to prayer. And, I, and I, I also think we need to own the disappointments. We need to be honest about it. And we need to say, okay, God's doing something else right now. You see, uh, we're very quick to sweep it all under the rug. We don't, we don't want people to see. The, the, the biggest example of this, as a, as a preacher, and I'm sure some of the preachers on the, on the front will, will, will know this as well. But, but you, you get on stage and, and you preach the most wonderful message. It, it's, it's God-inspired. It's, it's revelation. It's hilarious. Everybody's enjoying themselves. And then you stand up here and you do an altar call. And no, nobody moves. And you kind of stood up here looking a little bit like a plum. And, and we're very quick to go, okay, we'll just forget about that, that situation. Actually, what we need to do is own that situation and say, God, I know you're doing something else. Okay, nobody came to the front and gave their lives to God right now. That's okay because you've still moved in this place. You've still affected these, these people. So the first, the first thing I want to say is that when we're faced with disappointment in prayer, we need to own up to that. We can't be people who, uh, who are going to sweep it under the rug. And unfortunately for us, uh, well, God kind of gives us an example of how, how we deal with those situations. But, but Adam, surely the Lord's Prayer is something that is full of old language. It's far too wordy. It represents a Christian faith that we're not part of anymore. Right? Actually, the Lord's Prayer gives us the best example of how we should be praying. So Matthew 6, uh, 9 to 13 uh, says this. It's Jesus speaking. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When we see, when we have no answer... What is the most important thing to do? It's to remember why we pray. And in those first two lines of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us exactly where we need to be when we feel like there's no answer. Kevin spoke about it a little bit last week. He spoke a little bit about it this morning. But the start of our prayer needs to be relational. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We don't say that to remind God who he is. We say that so that we can remind ourselves of who he is. Of what he's done, of what he's doing, and what he will do. You see, if our prayer lives don't have that moment, that allow us to remind 
us ultimately of who God is, we're not going to move anywhere. We're not going to, we're not going to see prisons break or miracles happen. And when we face that disappointment, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, we're saying, Father God, I understand who you are. I understand who I am. Your name is amazing. How often do we spend time doing that? How often do we spend time going, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Kevin, Kevin said it last week. We rush to the intercession. We rush to the asking. And actually, to, to use Heidi's example, we need to be spending more and more time in the hallway declaring who he is. We pray because we're reminding ourselves of who God is. Here's an example. Who recognizes this? Our Father, yeah, I really pray tonight. Our Father, that you come down here. Our Father, that yeah, you really love him. And Father, and Lord Jesus, yeah, really move tonight. And Spirit, come down. And, and Father, Jesus, Spirit, Father, Jesus, Spirit, Father, Jesus, Spirit, Father, Jesus, Spirit, Amen. It's not, it is a Christian cliche, but it's an important Christian cliche. Because, as I said, we're not reminding God who he is. We're reminding ourselves Ultimately, who we are praying for, who we're praying to. Too often when we pray, we forget who we're praying to. And and there's a there's a fantastic example uh, in the Old Testament of this. and, and so I'm going to read a fairly long reading now. Um, it's Nehemiah 1. Um, and Nehemiah 1 is, is this moment where Nehemiah hears about the walls of Jerusalem uh, being destroyed. And this is how he responds. I do apologize. There's a lot of long words in this. So if I butcher any of them, just go with me. <laughs> The words of Nehemiah's son, Halakai, in the month of Kisel, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanai, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned, fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him, And keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open 
to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction that you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to this place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants, who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. Do you notice it? He doesn't ask for the walls to be rebuilt. The, the, the context and the, the Jewish uh, text about Nehemiah tell us that those some days when he hears about Jerusalem, he spends four months simply declaring the goodness of God before he even asks for the walls to be rebuilt. Four months. When was the last time you spent four months just glorifying the name of God? It's funny, but seriously. And, and, and I think there's two things we can take from, from, from that story. And two things that we can take when we're faced with disappointment. The first one is this. It takes time. Sometimes we pray and it takes time to see an answer. For Nehemiah, it took four months of going, I know what you've done, God. I know what you're doing. And I know what you will do. It takes time. Some of you, some of you may know, in September or uh, September-October time, um, I, I ran to be Methodist Youth President. Um, it would have been a fun job. Ever since um, I was 18 and I was old enough to apply for it, every summer when the job came up, two or three people would send me the application and go, Adam, you'd be really great at this. And I went, that's cool, yeah. Travelling the country, talking to young people, I would really love that. But... I've got to, I want to do my studies first. I want, to, I want to get my degree. And then in, in my third year here, I went away to Free Generate, which is the Methodist Young People's Conference where they vote uh, for, their, for their youth president. Um, and I came back upset, angry, and annoyed. Um, and I ranted to anybody who would listen to me. <laughs> and it... And it took my mum, 
Aaron and Rachel to go, well, why don't you run next year? You're still in the age bracket. You could cause change. And it's something you've always looked at. And I felt like the stars had aligned. (laughs) Here was a job I'd quite enjoy wanting to do. And here was a reason. And, and so we went, we went through the interview process. We, we got through to the election. Um, and in the same way that I ranted to anybody who could, I asked anybody who could to pray with me that I would get this job. Um, I remember people coming over to my house and we had a worship and prayer night. I remember coming and meeting Kevin and Cheryl here and praying about it. And as you all know, I lost the election. This thing that, that suddenly looked like, here's my call. Here's where, here's where God wants me. Here's, here's, here's an answer. Taken away like that. And it was hard. It was incredibly hard. I had this vision. I'd set up this youth event, and I was going to take this youth event and implant it in every different area of the whole UK. And that young people in Methodism would have a place to go where they could experience the Spirit of God mm-hmm. and not feel stuck and alone in traditional churches. But this small youth event that I started, that I've been running from Aberdeen, mm-hmm. got some legs. <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 it, and it grew, and, and, and in a year, for a monthly event, we've made contact with 80 young people. Wow. And in the end of February, I had a phone call from, from a family friend who said, Adam, have you heard about this pot of money the Methodist Church have? I said, no. I went, it's to employ an intern to go work in a church or church projects for a year. It's like, that's interesting. Okay. We really think charge should apply. And we really want you to do it. Amazing. So we sent off the application. It was a late night with me and a few of the team members uh, skimming through my terrible English. <laughs> Seven days after we sent off the application... I got an email that said we didn't get the money. And suddenly, what looked like an answer to the youth presidency, again, was taken away. The way that money works is each region of the the UK gets a project. So there was still a project that I could work in in the northeast. That's where I was going to head back to. And so I looked at the project that had that had beaten charged. And I looked at it, and it just didn't feel right. And on the afternoon, I said to God, this doesn't feel right. I don't think I'm going to apply for this. I got a phone call from the Methodist Church that said, "Um, Adam, there's been a second round of funding. 
and charged has won the funding. Wow. Wow. Two disappointments, but the answer to the prayer delivered. Just because there isn't an answer in the then doesn't mean it's not going to come. So number one, it takes time. And the second point is this. When faced with difficulty, when faced with trials, when faced with darkness, the only place to be in our prayer life is our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. For Nehemiah, he was physically moved to tears mm-hmm. at the, the stories of what had happened to the Jewish people mm-hmm. and to the city that he loved. And the only place he could put himself in, in that chapter, is declaring what God had done, mm-hmm. declaring what God was doing, and declaring what he was going to do. There was a moment there's a moment in my life when I was faced with that. And about six or seven years ago, um, I was I was part of, of a really great Methodist church in Durham. Uh, my my mum was doing a fabulous job. She took an old traditional Methodist church full of about fifty, fifty-five women um, and grew it to a congregation of hundred and twenty of all ages who were coming and finding out about the love of God. In the space of six months, our youth worker, uh, her husband, got a job in America and they moved very suddenly. And then my mum, who had been starting to deal with rheumatoid arthritis, became totally and utterly bedridden. Uh, she had no energy. She was constantly in pain. They couldn't work out the, the right drugs. And I watched as this church that was changing the community was growing and bringing people of all ages to God suddenly had its heart ripped out. And I prayed and prayed and prayed for healing for my mum. And it didn't come. And so I stopped praying. What's the point? I believe in you, God. But prayer doesn't work. What, why on earth have you done this to this church? Why on earth have you caused this to happen? Shortly after that, I went away um, to a conference. Uh, Some of you who know me well will know I've been working in the youth venue at a Methodist conference called ECG for the last four or five years. Um, And five years ago, on the final night of this conference, 
I was utterly backed into a corner. And God came at me and said, trust me. You need to be spending your time saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I was at the back of this youth meeting, supposed to be available for prayer for any of the young people who wanted prayer. And I was bawling my eyes out. Three years after that, mum had, had slowly come back to work half-time, uh, slowly picking up some of the, the pieces of, of what happened to the church. Um, that time, there, there, was, there was a call on her life to move on. And to, to the way Methodist ministry works is, is once you've done about 10... 10 years, um, it's time to, uh, to kind of move on to a new church and someone new comes on. And so my mum, who had been unwell in the process, uh, picked up um, some churches that, that didn't, find, didn't find a minister um, and worked half-time um, and did, did a fabulous job. Um, but it was never what her skills are in. So there were, we were we would be looking to move again. And, and this summer, uh, mum made the decision. I know I'm, not, I'm still not terribly well, but actually, I think I, think I can work full-time again. I think I, I, think I can work full-time again. And, and, and mum has, has a wonderful appointment, a wonderful church with wonderful people, and it's the happiest I probably have ever seen her. Mm-hmm. It's the tiredest I've ever seen her. <laughs> but now, they're taking her off the drugs. Yes. Because, and I know it, Josephine will, as the medic will, it's, it's, it's called remission, but um, it never really is with arthritis. But, but basically, it's getting better. And, wow. and in a year, she's starting to build, once again, so an incredible house and an incredible ministry. Yeah. 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 So but if, yeah. as a family, yeah. if as a family, we'd, we hadn't have spent that time Reminding of what God had done. Mm-hmm. Reminding ourselves of what he was doing. And reminding us of what he will do. We wouldn't be where we are. Mm-hmm. When we're faced with difficulty. When we're faced with darkness. When we're faced with trials. And we don't know what on earth is going on the first place we need to be is reminding ourselves of what God has done. Reminding ourselves of what he is doing. 
and reminding us of what he has promised us. Um, as, we were, as we were singing uh, Miracles earlier, um, I was reminded of the story of that song. Um, and I wonder if the, if the band could, could come back up um, and if, if we could sing it again. If you don't know the story of that song, um, it's written by um, a guy called uh, Chris Qualio or something like that, who's the, the lead singer of Jesus Culture. Um, and him and his wife, um, his wife got pregnant. It's a great day. Um, but shortly into the pregnancy, um, he was, uh, him and his wife were told that his, his baby, his son, was probably going to be stillborn. Even if it was born alive, it probably wouldn't live. And they prayed and prayed and prayed for a miracle. And the baby was born. And two hours after it was born, it passed away. The, the, the song is that guy's response. It's saying, I don't know why this has happened. But I know that you are still the God of miracles. I know that no matter what is faced in front of me, that I believe in you and you will always be the God of miracles. So as, as, as we close tonight's meeting, let's as a church, no matter what we're facing, no matter what's around the corner next for us all, no matter what we're going through, let's remind ourselves what God has done, what God is doing, and what he will do. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.